What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Moonlight Game Devs, a podcast where game developers share the story behind their latest game and the lessons learned with their fellow developers. Today, I had a chat with the co-founders of Bluebell, a game development and publishing company, as well as Mainleaf, which is a game development outsourcing company. The two companies are working together to create their upcoming titles, Rogue Masters and Fury. They shared a lot of the lessons learned from working in the games industry for a while and from making these upcoming titles. So I hope that you guys learn from and enjoy the episode. Hey yo, what's good everyone? Thanks for coming on the show. How about we just have everyone give a brief introduction of themselves and their respective roles in the company? All right, I guess I'll get started. Uh, I'm Matt from uh, I'm co-founder of Loopal. Um, well, I'm more on the day-to-day operation. I do uh, a lot of well super managing and a bit of PR as well. I'm uh, managing all the uh, social accounts and uh, doing most of the marketing right now. But uh, well, we're all <laughs> equals at Loopal, so uh, I'll let the GD introduce himself as well. Yep. So I'm Judy, uh, Jen Daniel Tangway. So we just settled for Judy because otherwise it's, it's too confusing. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm co-founder with Matt uh, as well. Well, my, my main role is mostly like injecting money in the company <laughs> and, and just overseeing, you know, like uh, really the high level stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we founded this this year. I had a game company before, but this is like my second attempt and we're, uh, I rely mostly on Matt, you know, to uh, manage uh, everything while I'm, you know, overseeing the finances. Hmm. Oh, my name is Moisés Silveira, but you can call me Moses. I guess it's simpler. Uh, and I've been running an outsource uni game development studio uh, named Mainleaf for about ten years. And uh, GD and Matt, the Lupao guys, are clients of my company. And that's that's how we met and started working together. Awesome, guys. So, yeah, I just want to get, like, you know, an idea of how you guys got started in this industry. Like, I know that you and Math are running the publishing side, so maybe you can get us started with, like, can you tell us how you kind of build up your company and how you got into publishing games? Uh, well, actually, that, that that's a good story because, uh, well, at first we were, we did not intend to go uh, full on on publishing, and uh, it kind of rolled all down uh, with the with our association with Mainleaf because they had a game to publish. Maybe uh, GD would like to continue on that. He's been uh, handling most of that. Yeah. So um, so basically, what we what I wanted this year when we started Loophole is just you know I, I had a couple of games ID, ideas for the last years and I wanted to get one built. So uh, I talked with Matt. Uh, we could set up you know a team to start building that. And through you know our relationship with Moses Company Mainleaf. Uh, we found out that they had like a really, a really cool app. Uh, sorry, not app, but game in development called Rogue Masters, and you know that some funding was necessary to, uh, you know, make it to the finish line. And that's where we realized that you know, uh, besides making our own game, we could help other people like uh, work on theirs and you know reach a finish line as well. So that's how we got into publishing, kind of by accident. And we kind of got addicted to it, you know, just like helping people out. So uh, here we are now, just you know. Uh, game company slash publisher yeah that's awesome so i guess uh uh moses like you're the guy who's also working on the um game and kind of like as, as the outsourcing and and helping gd um develop his game is that is that kind of how the dynamic between you guys works there uh yes exactly uh i started to to help on their project because the developers assigned it to to fury uh they were having some difficulties there and 
as I'm the CTO of Mainleaf and I have more experience, I started to, to give some hand to the guys there. And then like things were so fluid and so nice to work together, then we decided to keep, keep me working on the project kind of full time. And at the same time, like part of, of uh, the time helping on, on rug masters as well, but more in a managing, uh, and as a producer, uh, not like involved directly in the programming side as we have like, uh, 18 there. That's, uh, pretty much multi talent for uh, all areas we need so far. So that's kind of how, how it works now. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So I guess who's like the best person to kind of tell me the, background story of Rogue Masters, like how it got started and how kind of did the game idea uh, begin to evolve? I guess that would be me <laughs> uh, because uh, our relationship is kind of uh, recent, like the uh, GD, Matt and I, like we started to work together about what, six months ago, guys, or less or? Like end of uh, February or well, beginning of March, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah. So uh, the Rogue Masters idea, it, it has been we have has been have been working on that like for about three years. Uh, it started basically as a um, one day Gabriel uh, and I. Gabriel is one of my business partners on Mainleaf. We started to talk about game ideas we ever had and never finished because we're both like we have this company uh, that makes like games for other people. But we never uh, published like our dream game or something like that by ourselves. And then we decided to brainstorm about game ideas we, we had. And then we come to this idea of Rogue Masters that at, at the beginning would be something more a city management with uh, a dungeon exploring, something along like uh, the Darkest Dungeon in, or Moonlighter. But after some time, we decided to focus on the combat. And then we uh, end up by uh, selecting this uh, Souls-like combat to to be uh, the system we are using because of the... um, all Mainly because of the mastery aspect of Souls-like combat, where you can play Dark Souls in several with several different levels of skill, but you are always um, rewarding by getting better on it. So we decided to focus on the, on the combat. And, well, basically after several years trying several different uh, things for the game, we uh, end up with this, uh, this idea we have now that is this uh, looter um, co-op Souls-like combat um, wave based game, and well, then we we were about like to to put the the project in in the hold because of the the whole COVID uh, situation. We were were uncertain about how things would be from there, and then we uh, met Lupau guys, and and uh, it was like love at first sight. So it was kind of basically that. <laughs> What, yeah, tell me a little bit about kind of that love at first sight experience. Like, what was it about <laughs> Loophole that made them the Loop Owl, sorry, the, the perfect partners for this kind of project and you know this this game? Um, I think the 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 chemistry it, it happens like in a daily basis, like the way we conduct the uh, both companies conduct the, their business. 
for instance, when I, I saw like the, the developers we assigned to their uh, project, they were struggling with the, the game because it has some really complex uh, aspects to be made. And then I, I decided to stop other, all other stuff that I, I was working and I deep dive uh, on the project to, to compensate by the wasted time. Uh, on, on like, not, I, I wouldn't say wasted time, but uh, like the guys didn't perform as we intended from from the beginning. So I, I jumped there to to help them. And uh, I guess as GD, he can tell this better. But um, he saw I did the right thing when I I I saw the problem. And you know, like in, in, in the daily uh, situations, we see how people deal with problems that everyone has. Uh, and it was more like we be- became like friends really, really fast. So uh, I-, I guess uh, the answer is uh, the short answer. Uh, usually I-, I speak too much, but the <laughs> the short answer would be that like the way we handle problems, um, those situations along the, the development, uh, it was like, the-, the the main thing to for us to become friends and, and things like that. Yeah. So I guess. Uh... Math, I'll ask you the counter question. Like, when you were first, I guess, like, did 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 most did you pitch him the idea, or you know, did you go through the whole pitching process of like, you know, he had a, a pitch deck or something like that? Uh, it was kind of uh, the opposite uh, because uh, I was just talking with with GD uh, without any intention of just saying, okay, I'm, I'm I have been working on this game. But I'm putting the, this on pause. I will move all the team to my main uh, company, so I will be sure they have jobs uh, if I cannot like uh, pay for the development anymore. And then he started to ask more about the game, and that's that's how it happened. Then we pitched the game for him, and and then they showed this uh, interest. And it was a matter of about like one week discussing terms and things like that, and we signed the contract. Yeah, really interesting. Like, I want to know kind of um, also the publishing side. Like, usually I speak to developers, but I really want to kind of get into the mindset of like, you know, seeing that game that you find really interesting and want to kind of fund, want to support. What what does that game look like? And, and what are some of the, I mean, KPIs is what some p- people say, like indicators, key performance indicators of a game that make it kind of show that it has potential and has success. I would really like to know that. Uh, from, from a publisher's side? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, uh, for uh, Loopal, we're we're trying something like we're branding ourselves as a releasing unique, really unique games. We want to take games and push them to their limits. Maybe uh, may it be through arts or mechanics or new systems. Like we we really want to like push the boundaries of what's been done so far in games or genres, things like that. So. Uh, well, when they first uh, showed us Rogue Masters, I think, uh, well, it, it was love at first sight for this because it, it makes like uh, all of those uh, Dark Souls mechanics, like the super hardcore combat and difficulty uh, level that's brought in through the game itself and the game design. But it was mixed with the low poly graphics that were uh, really standing out. And uh, well, just seeing that, we knew we had a couple good ideas that could really just push it a little bit and um well with uh, good discussions with the guys we all agreed on uh, some some really cool basis and terms and uh just like that uh we knew we had a good product with them because 
most of the game was already done. They already had all uh, all visuals done and uh, a good part of the basic mechanics done. So it was just a matter of adding a couple of little things here and there. And uh, we already had something super marketable and just a, a really cool, fun, and innovative product. Are you guys also looking to um, support you know games that are maybe a bit less of a finished product than what Moses showed you guys, presumably? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think one of our goal is actually that, as a, as as I was saying earlier, uh, our goal is to uh, really push the boundaries of game. So if we see uh, either a game or a dev or a product that has a title and creation, and we just know like it, it needs just maybe funding or a good help in marketing as well, or just some things like that, we can help them because that's a goal. We just want to release like some fresh new content on the market. So if someone is in early development, but we see that there is potential in creating something, a completely unique experience, well, we would for sure go for it. Go for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you guys mentioned there that you kind of started developing the game um, next to, I guess, your kind of consulting work and, and supporting other companies. Like, uh, can you... Maybe give us some some idea of like how you guys balance that. Like, I think a lot of people are kind of doing the same thing, where they maybe already have a company, they want to make their own product as well, so they don't they aren't always stuck in this loop of you know spending uh, using their time to make money. But you know, also there's people with like full time jobs balancing that that work with you know making a product. So, how did you guys kind of approach that? Like, how did you divide up the work between your client work and the actual development? I don't know if I'm the best person to answer this question because I it takes like ten years for me to to be able to to manage that. But maybe maybe I can tell like the why I didn't the uh, started to develop this game before, and it was mainly because of uh, financial uh, financial uh, terms. For instance, like I, I because I develop games to other people for. 10 years, I know the game will cost way more than it's intended in the beginning. So uh, it's really hard to start to developing a, a game. Uh, I, I mean, of course, you can uh, code everything yourself. And uh, I, I see uh, a lot of people that are doing that, like in people that you interviewed here. Uh, but in SI on Mainleaf, uh, use it to work like, 60, 70, 80 hours per week sometimes, I, I didn't have this time. So I had to, to hire someone to, to quote the ideas for me to create the graphics and, and everything. And we felt secure to do that. Like after 10 years of company that we had like the cash flow to do that. And, uh, but even with that situations like COVID can, can happen. And yeah. then we, we are everything that we, we take for, for grant is not granted anymore. So, uh, that's, that, that's the thing. Like, uh, game development can get really expensive. Uh, and if you start as we started, uh, without a solid plan and without solid, uh, game concept, it can get out of hand really quick. Yeah. That's, thanks for sharing those insights. I think that's, you know, really valuable for sure. Maybe from what you've kind of mentioned there, uh, sort of, you know, some of the challenges coming up with, with time scope and, and balancing and, and, you know, having a, a good plan of how much thing, how long things are going to take and how much you need to, you know, allocate in funds to those, those different areas. Like what one of the 
main things that you've kind of learned through your experiences? Like, what are some of the things that games company founders often get wrong? That kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe I can answer that, uh, Mark, if, if you don't mind. So, uh, so I had a, a game company in, in 2011, a mobile game company that was fairly successful. And we had the same challenges back then as right now, you know, in terms of funding, we, you know, we, we tried to be organized and, and, you know, make good roadmaps and everything, but it's, you know, games are such a complex medium to build that it's really, really hard to, you know, really plan the budget and plan the, you know, the timeline and everything. We see it even with AAA where, you know, there are like several delays for many, uh, you know, big titles. And even if indie game like ours is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really smaller, it's still hard to really, you know, plan out. So when you start investing, like I do in a game company, uh, you really, you know, have to plan that your first investment might not be your, you know, last investment in terms of, you know, just uh, being fluid and maybe, you know, adapting as we go. Uh, just with Fury, we're on, on our third extent, you know, to the roadmap. And, you know, we don't know where we'll be at the end of that. And it's just because it's, like I said, it's a complex medium. Uh, I've, you know, been freelancing in apps for maybe 20 years. And, you know, apps, while they're complex, I find it's way easier to plan than games. So when you're, you know, building games, you really appreciate like how uh, everybody does their best to plan ahead and, you know, so that you can set up a budget, but you really have to stay, you know, agile through throughout the whole process yeah i guess with, with games kind of always two things it's either a problem or a genius idea so you're at this point where you're already done with all of this stuff you're on the verge of finishing something and then someone just pops out and it's a great idea you just gotta get it in so it takes more time or on the other side it's a problem and you gotta fix it and it just takes way longer than you thought of yeah, I agree. And, you know, they say uh, 20% of the game. So the last 20% of your game is going to take 80% of your time. So, like, you can complete the first 80% of your game really quickly, but then the last 20 is super long. And, you know, I, I, experience after experience, that's what I, I find is that it's, you know, you, you get a lot of progress really quick. And once you get into the polishing phase and, you know, tweaking everything and making sure it feels good, it looks good, that's what takes the most time. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a big uh, endeavor once you get started. You've mentioned there that you've been working on and owned your own like mobile games company. Uh, what can you explain like a little bit about like difference between I guess mobile and now working on like a premium indie game and what kind of made you the take the switch there from one to the other? Uh, yeah, so when I worked on mobile, it was maybe 2010, 2011. So it was quite different than right now. Um, I find that it's really, really hard to get into the mobile market because there are so many players and like a lot of money is being invested. Most of the time, the marketing budget is four times bigger than the development budget because that's how you succeed. Uh, back then, when I had my gaming company, I had it for two years. Uh, it was called Molecube. And you know, the first, I'd say the first year and a half was a real disaster because we would release games, which, you know, in my own opinion, but that it's worth what it's worth, were really good. And, you know, like we had abysmal sales because we had no money for marketing. We were on a shoestring budget. Yeah. And then we decided to, you know, join forces with a YouTube uh, channel, Epic Mealtime back then, which was really, really popular, like in the top five YouTube. And that's where the, you know, the sales really exploded. But, uh, you know, after that big, big success, I just, you know, decided it was time to, you know, close the, the studio because it was really a, a big struggle. And we, we realized that it was a really... Uh, you know, we were lucky to have a, a big title that sold a lot of copies. We thought we're talking about millions of copies. So we, we didn't want to take that chain that chance, sorry again. So I find that, you know, 
on mobile, the, the play is mostly marketing. Obviously, you know, on, on you know, AAA or indie or desktop games, it's it's still a bit of marketing, but people appreciate more the quality of the game. Whereas mobile, they appreciate it as well, but there's so much noise that it's hard to, uh, you know, to find the good games. And when you see a, a good game at five bucks, and then you see a hundred games that are free, and then it's really hard to, you know, break through un- unless you got a killer partnership or, like I said, a, a ton of marketing money. Yeah, totally. I, s- I see it the same way. Like you to really succeed in mobile, I think you need uh, either a really, you know, wealthy publisher or a lot of investment money. Get a company off the ground. Or even have a chance, because obviously, when you're at, when you have the choice between a free game or uh, a premium game, like the games on Steam and such, it's it's obvious for most consumers that are also mobile, like have a little bit more of a casual mindset. They're gonna choose a free game, even if they end up spending like hundred quid on Clash of Clans. <laughs> um, you also you also mentioned there that you're working on Lupal's other game, Fury. Is that right? I, you know, I had the initial idea for Fury, but yeah, Moses and his team are the the ones working on it. So depending on, you know, the follow up question, uh, we'll we'll find out which uh, who of us is the best to you know, answer. Yeah, I was just gonna um, mention that, you know, while we're on this call, maybe you guys can, or whoever is like going to be able to answer this question better, just give us like a little bit of an overview of that game as well and kind of how it evolved and, and got started. Oh yeah, so I guess that would be me. So you know, just to make a, a long story short, um, the idea for Fury, because what you got to understand is, like I said, I've been working, you know, freelancing, building apps and games for twenty years. The reason I picked up programming twenty years uh, ago is to start building games. But you know, in two thousand, there wasn't a lot of programmers, so getting work was easy. So I kind of you know fell into work uh, building apps for other people. But now and then I will always go back to, you know, my initial goal, which was building games. And in 2003 or four, I, I found the game, uh, Madness Interactive, which is a flash game and really blew my mind. Cause you know, the control scheme was different. You know, it was very, uh, uh, very different from what you could play. And it always, you know, stuck with me that someday I would like to build one that's, you know, up that's using the latest technology. So like inverse kinematics and, you know, proper physics, because obviously in 2004, flash uh, physics weren't a thing. So yeah. So I, I always went back to it. And over the years, I've built maybe, I don't know, 10 versions of Fury that I never finished because, you know, uh, work would always come back and, and, and you know, t- take up uh, all of my time. So yeah, this year I told Matt because, you know, the last two years have been pretty good for me in terms of uh, freelancing revenue. I told Matt like, now it has to happen because it's kind of my on my bucket list. So, you know, I, I gave Matt the reference, the original game, uh, you know, some other inspiration. I said, we got to build, you know, a game strongly inspired by that one, but, you know, with today's uh, standard of graphics and technology. And and that's where, uh, you know, Matt set up a little team and that's where we uh, met uh, Mainleaf and Moses. Mm, yeah, um, I guess like, you know, you guys are, are both like, at least the two developers seem like really experienced guys. You guys have a lot of experience in the industry. So what kind of technologies do you guys use to make your games? Like which approaches did you take there? Unity or Unreal kind of like which and with why? Uh, we are using Uni because it's the main expertise of my company. We choose Uni back then, 2010. And we stick with, with Uni like since, uh, since 2010. So... Uh, we do develop uh, when it's needed using another uh, uh, another uh, platforms. Like for instance, we already developed used uh, de- already developed 
uh, with Playfab, um, some things with um, Unreal itself, but we are mainly using uh, Uni uh, for for all development we do in, in Mayleaf, and it's not different with uh, um, Rogue Masters and Fury. I, I don't know if you have any <laughs> any questions. Other, I, nope. I guess I, I talk too much to see to just say Uni. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe it might be interesting to add on on Fury that we're using both the uh, final IQ, IQ and um, and Puppet Master. So uh, oh. maybe uh, either G or Moises, you want to add on a bit uh, on that? But yeah, it's super interesting how uh, we just add up physics to this game and add more realism in the movement like that. Yeah, I would totally love to find out more about that if you guys could go into detail, because I think I've not heard of, of those technologies, so... All right. Yeah. So no, I just wanted to say that uh, you know I mentioned previously that uh, I've been wanting to build Fury for a very long time, and you know a different style like two D, you know like two D cartoony stuff like that. And when I really, you know, when it really clicked, and I realized that we had a chance to build maybe what I had in mind uh, is when I saw some uh, demo videos of Final IK and Puppet Masters, the Master sorry. So. Basically, just you know, makes really realistic ragdolls where the outcome of the the physics can surprise you. So, like if, for instance, you run into a door frame, you'll fall on your back instead of you know just having a standard collision and things like that. So, what I really wanted for for Fury since the beginning is you know something really fluid where uh, the gameplay can even surprise us as developers. So animation are not all you know baked and pre-made and everything. And I felt it was really necessary. So when I, I stumbled upon these two tools, that's when I, you know, really kicked it into high gear and, and realized that, you know, we could build what I had in mind, uh, which made obviously Unity, uh, you know, the, the, the first choice for the engine because they are Unity uh, assets. So, uh, yeah, and then I built a really quick tech demo. And two years later, when we met the guys at Mainleaf, we built like we started building the real game. Uh, using these uh, very tools. Awesome, really interesting. Yeah. Um, how does your guys like? I want to talk a little bit about kind of how you guys manage your companies. Like, maybe you could give us a bit of an insight into kind of the production of of a game. Like, how do you go about managing the kind of process that you guys do? Do you use guys some kind of management software, or something like that, to make sure you're always on tracking on time? Uh, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> we we definitely uh, use uh, Scrum, uh, and for that, we we use it to we tested several. Different tools like Trello, Jira. Uh, some are were uh, under, and some are over our necessities. So we end up by using uh, GitLab now to both both to host the code uh, uh, and also the the uh, task management there. And for all, all projects, we use it to to have like uh, daily meetings, like all the Scrum process. And because we, we are working in mainly at more or less 10 projects simultaneously. And this is, uh, really hard to, to manage if you don't have some strict, uh, systems to, to help to manage people. So, uh, that's more or less how, what we use there. We are applying the same, same things on, uh, Fury as well as Fury is, uh, uh, Lupa is a client uh, of mainly with this project Fury, uh, and yeah, that's that's more or less what we use. How do you guys like, you know, approach the kind of art style creation as well? Like, um, maybe you can give us like an insight into how the team is like divided. Like, how many artists are there? How many programmers? And 
Um, well, depending on, on the project, we can have sometimes a very simple project that uses uh, pre-made assets from asset store, like just one programmer and one manager, or some projects that are, are really bigger, like sometimes we have like three, four programmers, one artist, one game designer, because not all, all projects we are working at the same time, uh, they are all games, some are like ser- uh, service, uh, software as a service, and in some like VR applications for uh, medicine, things like that. So it, it really depends. But I would say uh, today, mainly if we have more or less 40 people, more or less, and about like five of them are managers, and I would say 90% developers and, and like 10% artists. So uh, we, we were mainly focused on, on the development side, on programming. Mm. Yeah, and if you want to add up a bit uh, on Yarn Loopal, it's for sure <laughs> we're a bit of a smaller team. So, uh, yeah, we only got two guys on art. Uh, we've got D, the other co-founder of the company. Uh, well, this guy is our, pretty much our visual wizard, and uh, he's just looking at everything. And we've got also Phil that deserves a huge shout-out because that guy does eye candies and just, like, he makes things look good. And uh, yeah, we, we got these guys uh, working pretty much like we're getting modeled uh, all of the most important parts. So like uh, our main character, enemies and stuff like that. And as we, well, we're trying as much as we can to get assets for the rest because, you know, it's pretty expensive just to uh, get the modeling everything. So uh, we're we're trying to make do with what we have. Yeah. So kind of like uh, saving cutting corners, I guess, by using some proprietary stuff, but then getting, you know, custom-made things to stitch it together and give it that unique look. Is that, like, safe to say? Kind of. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're keeping, like, uh, the budget for very important stuff. Well, not, I, w- I wouldn't say keeping the budget, but, yeah, we're investing more in the most important stuff, what you're going to see uh, every second of, of your uh, game time. So just, uh, just as I said, things like the main character, we think it deserves uh, to be properly done and properly, like, unique to this game. Well, uh, maybe the wall uh, in the background doesn't need uh, as much attention. Yeah, we did basically the same on uh, Rogue Masters as well. Uh, we, when uh, Gabriel, my my business partner, and I, uh, we started like working on this project and and funding it. We decided to um, cut costs on on art because it was something that we neither of us was good enough to to make if it's needed. Uh, for instance, I am a, a, a developer as well, but so anytime I can help jump in the project and, and help to fix something. But for the art, no, no people. We didn't have anyone uh, at the moment to to do that. So we started the game with like some pre-made assets from from asset store, and now uh, we have like uh, some people to uh, create some uh, assets, uh, some custom-made assets like enemies and things to make the game to. Um, to, to be more more unique, uh, even we are using like pre-made assets for for a lot of stuff for for the three D models mainly. Is this for uh, Rogue Masters or Fury? Uh, for Ro- Rogue Masters, right? You mentioned there that you you're investing kind of in the um, important stuff or like the main stuff that people will focus on. But I guess as the publisher, like, are you guys also doing some other services as um, funding? I guess this is a question for you, Matt. Like, are you guys doing some of the marketing as well for the two games? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're uh, trying to handle as much as possible. And right now, well, 
as we're a startup and we don't have as much attention as we would have if we were if we were already established or doing both game under the same banner but uh, eventually for sure we would uh, split up that and uh, well each game get his own uh, merit and credit for uh, its own marketing for sure but yeah we're handling that part uh right now we're kind of in this awkward spot that we're just on the verge of getting some good content to show out but we're not there yet so we're trying to get some like more organic growth uh we're mostly uh we're mostly active on twitter right now where uh, we talk a lot uh, with other devs we got involved in the this super uh awesome movement that is uh the hashtag pitch a game if uh well i think if any uh indie developers are out there listening to this they should check it out because uh, once per month you get to uh pitch your game on twitter and uh well it gets seen by a lot of publishers, uh, scouters, funders, etc. And uh, there's also critiques uh, on the pitch, and it's super interesting. And I think we're getting some growth there, uh, as just as much as we're helping out other uh, devs. So we're super happy with that, and that's how we're doing right now. But eventually, for sure, we're gonna get uh, our own content out, and uh, that's gonna be pretty soon as well. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, thanks so much for for sharing that. I also noticed that hashtag trending a little bit, and it's. Like there's a lot of pretty cool stuff out there, so I definitely recommend any game developers checking it out. So I I kind of want to, you know, have like a I guess a wrap up section where each of you guys kind of shares their learnings from the two projects that you guys have been kind of working on together. So um, yeah, how about we just kind of get started? Let's start with Matt, just sharing the you know your learnings from this journey of of starting your publishing company and. and you know how it's been so far well well well, there's a lot of learning i I guess i'm in the company i'm I'm like the noob (laughs) i'm the one with the who's got less experience so i've got to i i got the occasion to learn a lot from all of these guys i'm uh, talking with day to day so uh may just as well be gd or d our other co-founder or even moises and the and the rest of the team both from uh, mainleaf and rogue masters but yeah uh, i think uh there's a lot to learn uh both on marketing and uh, just as well as internal relationships, should I say, like uh, right now, handling, like speaking with mainly themselves, it was pretty easy because they were our employees, should we say, we were, we were outsourcing uh, uh, like our own game. But with Rogue Masters, I'm trying to be a, a bit more involved with the team as well. We have uh, these weekly meetings when where they just uh, explain out their stuff. And I, it, it's been a bit of adaptation at first because like, uh, well, it's kind of strange for them. They were like the small team, and suddenly we're just here and we're taking some space and not necessarily like game design and stuff, but we're just we're there where we were not before. So it's kind of weird. So uh, I think most of what we learned has been like how to handle this whole relationship and get along with others and just make sure that we're not see we're not seen as like uh, people here to take over the game. We're just we're there to help, and we're just trying to make uh, all games as much as uh, well as fun as possible. Should I say? We just want to make good games, and uh, yeah, I think that's been the the most uh, the like the biggest learning curve out there. Yeah, uh, Moses, maybe you have something to talk about, like getting started with uh, things you've learned from making Rogue Masters and working on Fury. So about uh, making uh, Rogue Masters, I can say for sure that the most important lesson I, I learned it was to have a, a better scope of the game. Um, Rogue Masters, along these three years, it like had some several different um, ideas and mechanics. Like the game started as um, 
as a Souls-like kind of story mode. And then we went to, um, to Battle Royale, then survival, like several crazy ideas that, uh, we start to have, uh, when we, we start to brainstorm in then until like we get the, the final version that is the, what the game we are creating right now, we would, uh, save way a lot, a lot of time and money if we had this, uh, this idea we have now, uh, from the beginning. But of course, um, I guess several like creative processes are like this. Like it's it's kind of impossible to to uh, skip steps on on this. But uh, I would say to to plan better uh, like your scope, given your the size of your team and and your resources. This is the pretty, uh lesson I, I learned on on Rogue Masters and on Fury. I would say that. Well, this is a lesson that I, I already uh, knew, but uh, it still reinforces uh, for me is to do the right thing uh, when something happened. For instance, as I, I told you, like the guys that I assigned to to Fury at the beginning, they wasn't performing very well. So even I, 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 I am the CTO of mainly. Usually, I, I don't code anymore, uh, like full time. But when I see the guys uh, didn't perform very well there, I talk with GD. I explain the situation here. The, the code has not like a very good quality. I will remake this for you. I will not charge this. And uh, so I think it was the things that he he saw we were uh, honest company and uh, he probably felt more secure to invest in our game. So I didn't do that because of Rogue Masters, but it was a huge plus of being uh, correct uh, with my main business, it, it was like very good for my secondary uh, business. That's my game. So uh, I think it's just like do the right thing, uh, be correct with people, um, in, in, like both yeah. in your personal life and in your uh, professional life. Uh, it, it's always better. Kind of putting the you know the needs of the customer first, and, and yeah, really focusing that they're getting a good value. Yes, exactly. Finally, I guess, GD, do you have any reflections that you want to share? Uh, yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> you got to uh, keep in mind that I'm, you know, eye level, so I don't work on the day-to-day. But, you know, through uh, my long, very long journey of, you know, working with people, starting companies, managing people, the biggest lesson, which I'm you know, still learning right now is, you know, if, if you're the person, like, calling the shots, uh, you should surround yourself with people you trust and let them call the shot you know so just find people that you completely trust and you know they'll do the right thing and not try to be a control freak because then you do four things you know uh, so so instead of doing one thing well so i just focus you know on on finding people of trust and then letting them you know take the, the hard decisions uh which is you know just letting go in general and and so far, you know, with uh, Matt, who's pretty new, as he mentioned earlier, who I've ju- just been dumping tasks on him, you know, learn the finances, learn the marketing, learn to game design, learn to, you know, manage a team. And then, you know, Moises, where I just came to him with, a, you know, this big, stupid project where it's like, yeah, we got to have, you know, really complicated stuff. But then we also need to do it, you know, on a small budget, but we also need it to look good, you know. So, I mean, I, I'm lucky that I found the right people to do so. And I, I got to keep in mind that even if there are some areas where, you know, I could take care of it, I wouldn't be able to do it as well. So, you know, through this journey, just letting go and, and 
picking the right people to surround you is really, I think, the key to you know building a successful company. There's actually a few questions that I have because I find that what you just said they're like really important and also really interesting. Is it kind of like you mentioned there that you were teaching, uh, or yeah, teaching Matt like a, a lot of different things and kind of helping him work things out? Is your focus to kind of find people that are willing to do that, like wear multiple hats and and learn a lot, or is it kind of you're hoping to that you're already finding someone who who already is that person that you can just trust to do a certain task. I've made the mistake, uh, well, several times the mistake in the past. You know, find someone who could do the task, and you know, in the long run, you need to work with these people. You need to talk with them. You need to, you know, set up, uh, you know, certain tasks, and you just find out that if they're doing it for the work, uh, sometimes there will be some, you know, some uh, maybe ideology differences and things like that. So I'd rather have someone who's super motivated and ready to work on, you know, pretty much anything and learn everything and, and you know, just work from there. Because uh, I work with, of course, specialized people like Matt said, D is a fantastic illustrator, but we also get, uh, you know, we get each other on a friendship level. Uh, but I, I mostly aim for people who are, you know, mostly attitude because that's what you're going to have to live with afterwards once you start working with them. And, you know, learning is just part of the process. And, and when they start from scratch, then they're more eager to learn. And as they go, they're more eager to, you know, change their way or learn new stuff. So that's really important because, as you know, uh, things like techniques and project management, uh, uh, you know, way of doing changes really fast. So you're going to find people who are uh, very agile. Yeah, for sure. Especially in, I guess, the games industry, which is changing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing all that valuable information, guys. What is like the best way uh, to contact you guys? What kind of places should you should people check out if they want to find out more about Fury and Rogue Masters? Uh, well, right now uh, we've got it all available on our website. So uh, just head up to loopall.com. Uh, it's uh, pretty easy like that. But uh, we're also super active on Twitter as well. Uh, we're going to get our Discord. Well, we've got it pretty much set it up already, but we don't have much content, as I said earlier. So uh, we're just holding a bit on that, but we're going to be available on Discord and Reddit pretty soon as well. But right now, uh, the very best way to uh, contact us or just learn more about us would be uh, heading up to our, our website, lupal.com. And uh, from there, there are pretty much links to uh, everywhere else we can be contacted. We've got our email address. We've got a submission uh, button or uh, any indie games out there that want to get at least uh, seen by us. So, uh, yeah, head up to our website. Awesome. You can, uh, uh, as well, to contact Mainleaf on mainleaf.com as well. So we, we have this uh, outsourced development company, uh, and we can uh, help like in different sizes of projects, uh, or, uh, for instance, just our programming, coding, or the full game development. So uh, if uh, you have a game that would like to, to develop, but you don't have the time to do it or part of it, we can contact us and we, we have several uh, different multi-talented people for all, all areas. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on and good luck with the upcoming projects. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. And if you want to get more game development content, head down to the website, moonlightgamedevs.com. Consider subscribing to our newsletter or joining this discussion on Discord. Thanks, and I'll catch you for the next episode.